At this time, I'm visiting with State Senator Jesse Green, joining us to do a little legislative review. And, uh, Senator, you were exactly right last week when you said we finished this funnel and it's going to be a lot of time on the floor this week, Uh, both the House and the Senate, a lot of things on the floor. Yeah, so um, this week was the first week we have uh, debated it all and uh, passed some of the bills that have uh, made it out of committee. Uh, Prior to this, uh, the last three years, we usually have like an SSA bill or some education bill that we'll vote on within the first uh, week or two off the floor. But uh, this week was different in that regard. Uh, Just a lot of different conversations taking place. And so, um, yeah, it was definitely fun to get back to the debate floor and and see some of the conversation take place. Uh, uh, Probably some of the most memorable debates uh, I saw uh, just this week. So Okay, so uh, basically we're talking about what the Senate has moved out to keep alive, moving it over to the House, right? Correct. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the only House bills that I've seen that have come over uh, are new, and I will introduce yeah. into the Senate committee to consider, but uh, uh, so far all conversations have just been Senate-filed yeah. uh, bills okay, so, uh, that we will send over to the House. So what are some of the big ones that you guys passed out and moved off, and, and again, uh, uh, still moving forward for this session? Yeah, so, you know, this week it seems like a, a lot of the public has uh, focused in on our auditor bill, and uh, Senator Buslow last year had a, a, a bill that uh, caught some attention, um, and this year there's another one as well. And, and I, I did want to take a chance to talk about that a little yeah. bit because I think there's a lot of mis- misconceptions about it. Um, the bill that we passed out uh, this year uh, just allows state agencies to use private uh, CPA firms to conduct their audits if they want. They don't have to. Uh, if, if, if it's cheaper options, things like that, there's a lot of uh, reasons as to maybe why they want to do this. Um, and at first uh, glance, uh, um, a lot of uh, people on the other side of the aisle will say that this is a political attack against Rob's hands. And, and I understand uh, why they would jump to that uh, conclusion right away and, and be sensitive about that. But the reality is, is that um, I, I, it appears to a lot of us that the auditor needs help. Uh, he's uh, continually backed up uh, sometimes a year behind schedule on department audits. And out of two out of the last three years, um, he's, he's been late uh, uh, submitting the, the annual state audit. Uh, uh, also, he, his staff is below now below 100 uh, members. He's been having troubles finding uh, qualified staffers to uh, help him with uh, his job. And so uh, I believe this bill is necessary to help him in uh, his efforts. So um, anyway, that, uh, that definitely mm-hmm. caught some attention this week, and, and uh, I'm glad to kind of shed some light on that. So if we look at it, again, it's uh, kind of flip-flop from what uh, cities, counties now do. They have their choice. A lot will go with a private auditor. Some go with the state auditor. Uh, in this case, the state auditor has handled all of the state audits before i think is yeah so, and this so, just gives uh, them so we that. are reflecting we would be reflecting this bill is reflecting what's happening on the ground with cities and counties and schools you're right uh some would argue well we we hire we elect a state auditor to do state audits and and i i get that argument and stuff like that but we have come to a situation we have not seen before in which uh it's really hard for him to uh be able to keep up with uh, the case loads and and uh mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, this bill is going to help him uh, do uh, the job that he needs to do. Okay. All right. 
Uh, I know you had uh, what you had an election bill you guys were talking about. Yeah, so uh, I, I've heard some people talking about uh, some of the the uh, why are we doing some more election bills this year and and I I'm, I don't sit on a state government committee where these bills come through, but I'm starting to hear uh, them as they get closer to the floor about uh, what's going on and. In the new election bill this year uh, is aiming to uh, potentially get rid of uh, ballot drop boxes, um, and that's got some people kind of concerned or scratching their heads. And the reality is these ballot drop boxes were uh, introduced during COVID uh, to try to uh, adjust during that emergency time. And since then, I have heard personally from auditors who uh, think that uh, it was kind of burdensome. Uh, for one, uh, there's a financial component to it where they need to have uh, video cameras on the ballot boxes. Also, uh, they have to regularly check every single day uh, the ballot drop boxes, and, and it just uh, was uh, burdensome. And so um, I think right now there's only about 23 counties uh, uh, still that use it. And that's probably the biggest pushback on this bill is that uh, it is uh, uh, something that's optional. But um, So that conversation is taking place with there with that and okay. uh, we need to remember that voters uh, uh, can deliver their their ballots to the auditor's office or go through the postal service right now and there's there's plenty of ways for people to be able to vote and uh, uh, we want to maintain that accessibility but uh, of course the other portion of that bill that is catching the attention of a lot of people is is uh, allowing felons to run for president right and and there's uh, uh, just kind of a uh, drama and circus that's taking place nationwide in regards to uh, some states trying to kick uh, the president off the ballot, uh, President Trump. And and we want to kind of get ahead of this and make sure that uh, the state of Iowa is not uh, one of those states that uh, is, is creating chaos within the system. Um, I uh, love how the Constitution is very clear about this. It's, uh, uh, the requirements to run for president is 35 years old a natural-born U.S. citizen, and live in the U.S. for 14 years. I, I think it's, uh, uh, it's pretty simple, and I truly believe that the voters uh, know uh, what's best uh, for, for uh, who to vote for on the ballot. But that didn't include your comments on the 14th Amendment. That's where, oh, most, that? of the, that's where most of the challenge is coming up. Uh, again, uh, that was following the Civil War, so we had that. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, uh, again, for insurrectionists running for office, uh, again, that was something. Anyway, that's kind of where they're arguing the point. Uh, but it's still, it's one of those ongoing things nationwide. I do understand the Dropbox thing. Yeah, people forget, we did a lot of changes on election, uh, election laws. And, again, both parties did this uh, back in COVID. Again, and people didn't have anything else to do. That's why we had so many people voting. So it just was one of those things where, uh, again, uh, there are some things that, yeah, we needed. Drop boxes were used at the time, but is it needed anymore? Yeah, it's. Uh, I think it's a healthy conversation that's taken place. And like I said, I, I was surprised how many auditors came to me about that uh, within our region yeah. uh, that uh, were kind of annoyed by that. Uh, also, the other part of the the talk on on election integrity and stuff is is both democrats and republicans sometimes scratch your head about our registration list and and how we scrub that list and make sure that they're updated and, and i think uh, people on both sides of the aisle would agree that uh, uh 
we need to be more efficient and effective in how we, we do that. That's a challenge for those auditors. Yes, it is. <laughs> I know. I've watched yeah. them. So uh, it, it is. Yeah, they, people forget that there is you go through that list. And if someone hasn't voted for a couple of years, you probably will show up and they're going to say, I don't have you on this list. Not that you can't get your vote in and stuff like that. But uh, if you haven't voted for a while, that it does have an impact. Well, certainly. Yeah. Yep. All right, what other things did you guys have going on? Well, I tell you what, uh, I think one of the most interesting things that I've seen this week was uh, on gender balance uh, uh, hmm. requirements and eliminating that. And I wasn't expecting that to be one of the, the best debates I've seen since being at the Capitol. But um, this week in my newsletter, I highlighted this topic as well. And uh, what, um, what was interesting was Senator Kornbaugh from uh, Ames. He was the only Democrat to vote for getting rid of gender uh, balance requirements, and and I thought his uh, argument was was awesome and spot on, and he just laid out the case that uh, at one time having gender balance requirements was uh, seen as a floor and very necessary, and I think that was right. But the reality is that circumstances do change over time and and, and situations, and when you look at the metrics. Uh, uh, women right now are, are graduating high, high school at a faster rate, uh, being on time, mm-hmm. as well as uh, a higher percentage of women that are uh, graduating with uh, uh, college degrees and PhDs and, and lawyer degrees. And, and so uh, to have gender balance requirements for our boards and commissions, I think, is definitely uh, a, a ceiling already. If, and if it's not now, it will be. Uh, soon for women. So mm-hmm. uh, we want to make sure we're getting the, the most qualified people uh, in the right places. And and so I was glad to see that uh, we had some bipartisan support yeah. on getting rid of um, uh, gender balance requirements. Yeah. We'll see what the House does, but I'm, I'm sure they'll pass it. Yeah, absolutely. Like you said, uh, times have changed. Uh, there was a time when you couldn't get that many women that were interested to uh, take a position on a board or a commission, and, and it's not the case anymore. There, there's quite a few. So uh, that makes yeah, sense. And, I, and again, I, it depends I where you're at, too, uh, where you're at in the state and things like that. Uh, certainly, yeah. There's a lot of different factors, but, uh, but it, you know, I, maybe now it's because I'm turning 40 and I'm hitting middle age, but I, I, I think it's interesting down at the Capitol seeing the perspectives of different people from sure. di- different generations. And uh, uh, in some debates, I, I think that uh, there's some legislators that still are seeing the world through the perspective of the 1960s and they haven't moved on. And, and uh, But then I'm getting old enough where there's a younger generation coming up too and and hearing their perspectives about what their concerns are. And so that's the, the beauty of uh, uh, our government. It's supposed to reflect society and, and the changes that, that's occurring in our society. And, and uh, this was uh, one of those small pieces of the puzzle that uh, uh, was interesting to debate if, yeah. if it's time to move on. Like one you and I see, uh, well, you can, we see just about every day, women in agriculture. There's a higher number of women becoming heavily involved with agriculture at a lot of different levels, too. So, Yeah, yeah, the world's, the world's uh, changing. All right, uh, anything else come up for you? Well, I know there were more. Well, <laughs> yeah, so next week will be a very interesting week. Uh, as you alluded to, the House did pass uh, 3% SSA. Uh, we are, this is the latest uh, since I've been down there that we've come out with an SSA number, and, and that's because of the AEA uh, mm-hmm. uh, conversations. Uh, 
teacher salary conversations. There's a whole host of things that are tied together. And so I, I anticipate next week will be the week where um, we will see some action in the Senate in regards to this. And and as you know, there's an AEA bill that's still alive in the Senate, and uh, it'll be interesting to see if that passes out. But uh, um, I look forward to uh, moving forward on this and, and, and moving on to uh, some other topics as session goes on. But uh, uh, I think the House did a good job with their 3% SSA number, and, and if we can come up with a teacher salary bill um, that puts us in the top 5 or 10 in the nation and starting teacher salary, I think uh, uh, we'll come out with a big win this year. I was going to ask, I don't know, what is the Senate, have you guys taken a look at anything like on school security type things because of uh, going back to the Perry situation? I know the House has been doing a number of different things, but has the has the Senate looked at anything yet, or are there some things you're looking to come over? Well, our very own uh, Representative Phil Thompson is the one that's uh, spearheading the effort in the House. Uh, uh, I'm really uh, grateful for his expertise and, and his uh, passion about this topic, and, and Representative John Wills as well. He's a good friend of mine. And I think the Senate just saw that the House uh, um, has been working on this for quite a few years, and they're in the best position to come up with a bill to send to us for us to look at. And so I, I anticipate uh, the Senate will be seeing uh, Phil's bill uh, here soon. And we'll take a look at it. But uh, the reality is, uh, number one, uh, there's only one insurance company that insures uh, 95% of the school districts in Iowa. Uh, that That is one piece of the puzzle that's kind of a problem. Uh, they uh, uh, they will not insure uh, uh, currently schools that, that help uh, or have some armed teachers in their school buildings. Uh, they refuse to insure them or they'll provide a policy that's so expensive that the school can't afford it. And so what Phil's bill does, uh, is my understanding, is it uh, provides a training and some standards by which uh, teachers would need to meet in order to be able to carry within a school. And if they do that, then maybe there'll be some sort of immunity that the state can give to the school district, to, uh, which should alleviate the concerns that the insurance company has in insuring that school. So um, I think everybody's in agreement that... Uh, uh, we we did the best that we could in Perry's situation as far as responding to that terrible situation. Uh, the police were there in seven minutes, but uh, uh, most uh, see the glaring uh, reality is that there there was a seven minute uh, window there where um, uh, the hell was breaking loose and and just n- nobody was uh, able to stop uh, what was happening. So uh, there's certainly a need that needs to be addressed there. And I hope that we can get bipartisan support uh, on uh, Phil's bill when it comes over. So that listeners understand. So we did have the funnel last week. Uh, the bills that came out of Senate committees, that's what we're going through on the floor uh, this past week. And you'll still have more, I'm sure, coming up. But now those that are coming over from the House, they come to various committees. And your committee will be picking up some of those that will come over. Yeah, so uh, I just saw my first House file that came over to local government uh, uh, two days ago, and uh, that bill uh, uh, looked look pretty interesting. It's in regards to allowing uh, uh, counties to give loans to nonprofits and stuff like that. And I, I uh, judging by the representatives that filed it, it must have something to do with Prairie Meadows uh, Casino, uh, giving them more flexibility. So we'll take a look at that. And uh, But you're right, there's a tight window uh, the next funnel week is in two weeks, so uh, not only do we have floor debate, but we got to run subcommittees during floor debate, 
And uh, so the next two weeks, uh, everybody will be on edge wondering if their uh, agenda or their bills will will survive. Are we going to keep going? Are we still going? Do we have to wait? Uh, we'll uh, we'll watch because I know it gets busy and it gets a little hectic. A lot of them, and again, we're talking about high-profile bills. We've got a number of bills that are just routine, I call them routine maintenance bills, that you guys do go back and forth very quickly that a lot of people don't see. And uh, those are all part of the mix as well. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I'm kind of surprised how big a heavy list there are this year. And as a result, I think there'll be a lot of small uh, uh, non-con bills that will uh, die uh, within the next couple of weeks just because people don't have the time to, to see a lot of the bills. But uh, uh, it was really surprising at the beginning of the session. I didn't think there would be a lot of uh, heavy lifts, and, and now all of a sudden it seems like, uh, again, it'll be one of the biggest years uh, I've experienced down there. And so, um, but uh, that's, uh, we have an amazing system of government. Yeah. Uh uh, it's, it's, it was designed to, uh, kill a lot of bills because, uh, um, and, and move slowly for a reason. We want to make sure that things are thoroughly vetted, uh, before they become law. State Senator Jesse Green's been a guest on our legislative review program. Uh, Senator, thanks for joining us this week. Look forward to visiting you with again as, uh, we get a little closer to that next funnel around there. Okay. You bet. Always a pleasure. Thank you.